صباح الخير جميعا انا حاتكلم باللغه الانجليزيه لعده اسباب منها الارهاق من السفر ولكن على ما اعتقد في ترجمه فوريه للي للي بيحب يتابع المحاضره باللغه العربيه The, the announcement by uh, Donald Trump, many Americans refuse to call him President Trump, the announcement by Donald Trump um, that the United States recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel amounts to a public adoption by the United States government of the Israeli position on the most important issue in the entire conflict, which is Jerusalem. This um, is not the first time, of course, that the United States has adopted an Israeli position. It's happened many times in the history of the conflict. And in fact, since 1975, when then Secretary of State Kissinger agreed in a secret memorandum of understanding with Israel that the United States would coordinate every position it took with Israel before presenting it to the Palestinians or to the Arabs. The United States has, in effect, adopted Israeli positions many, many times. Um, and so for over 40 years, there has been very close coordination between the positions of the two sides. But this move is actually unprecedented. Um, every account of why Trump did this indicates that he did it entirely for domestic political reasons. He had absolutely no foreign policy considerations in taking this decision. It was taken entirely in order to reinforce his base because his sole concern is his reelection in four years. That re-election suffered a blow last night when the Republicans lost a Senate seat in Alabama, which is a very good thing. But uh, Trump took this action because both his evangelical Christian base and the large donors like Sheldon Adelson and Paul Singer, Adelson alone gave, Bush, uh, gave Trump $10 million dollars for his campaign, have been pushing the administration in this direction. Um, I repeat, this is unprecedented in terms of even the kind of coordination between the United States and Israel that we are, we've been used to for a very long time. It's unprecedented, and it's much more serious than many other positions that the United States has taken, hostile to the Palestine cause or hostile to the Arabs, because it touches on all of the most important substantive issues relating to Palestine. The decision on Jerusalem affects issues of sovereignty, it affects issues of borders, it affects issues having to do with the West Bank, it affects issues having to do with the holy places. Almost every single substantive issue has been negatively affected by Trump's action. 
Now, in the past, the United States has repeatedly ignored UN Security Council resolutions, United Nations General Assembly resolutions, whether on Jerusalem or settlements or other issues. Now, it has taken, it has formally taken a position which openly and flagrantly violates at least eight Security Council resolutions and many other UN resolutions. Now, why do I mention all of this? I think everybody in this room knows that this was a serious act. Everyone in this room understands, as we just heard, that anything to do with Jerusalem, in effect, affects the entire Palestine question. I stress these points because I think that this extremely serious action requires a Palestinian and Arab response on the level of this violation. This step must not be allowed to pass without such a serious response. Now when I say a Palestinian and Arab response, I do not mean a response by the Arab governments. I mean a response from the public opinion which these mainly dictatorial governments avoid paying attention to. But it is absolutely necessary that something be done that will be at the level of the challenge that Trump and Israel are putting to the Palestinians and to all of the Arabs. Uh, in fact, as I wrote in an article before I left in the, in the Nation magazine, I actually think that without intending to do so, Donald J. Trump has provided an opportunity for Palestine and the Arab world by this enormous violation of UN Security Council resolutions, international law, and many other things. How do we turn it into an opportunity? We turn it into an opportunity if the response, in particular the Palestinian response, and the response of people who support the Palestine cause, includes some of the following measures that I suggest have to be taken. I think there should be a decision on an end to the exclusive US role in any negotiation as a mediator, as a broker, or as a go-between. Since 1975, the United States has coordinated with Israel. It means the broker is a partner of the party that is our enemy. It's inconceivable that this be allowed to continue. The United States has a role in any negotiation. Its only role should be alongside Israel on the other side of the table from the Palestinians. They should be invited as a party to the dispute, as the party without which the conflict could not continue and without which Israel could not continue to thrive. They are welcome, of course, in any negotiation, but only in that capacity. The idea that the United States is a broker, a mediator, should control the peace process, should be abandoned. We should welcome talking to individuals like Vice President Pence in order to tell him that. You are no longer welcome as a mediator, as the organizer, as the only power that since at least uh, Camp David and before has dominated any negotiation on anything to do with Israel. That's the first thing that should be done. The second thing that should be done is that there should be a end of the entire structure for negotiations that has been imposed essentially by the United States, whether that is based on 242, whether that is UN Security Council Resolution 242, whether that is based on the bankrupt Oslo structure, whether that is based on the obscene idea of an interim accord. The Palestinian Authority is the result of an interim accord 
that has been in place for 25 years, for a quarter of a century. The entire approach has to be completely abandoned. It has to be replaced by a new negotiating structure. It has to be replaced by a, a basis in a whole series of UN resolutions and international law. The idea that the United States can pick and choose the bases by itself for negotiation has to also be completely abandoned. There are several other things that should be done. One of them, in my view, is that the Palestinian leadership should take advantage of something that is actually about to happen. The House of Representatives has already passed a bill to stop funding the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority should take this opportunity. It's going to probably pass through the Senate. And there will be more blackmail, bribery, pressure on the Palestinians to make further concessions in return for this measly several hundred million dollars. They should say, we don't want the $700 million. We'll get them somewhere else, or we'll do without them. Because in any case, they're going to be cut off. So there should be a, there should be a little clarity for, for a change about what American money is for. American money is there to force the Palestinians to make unacceptable concessions. Those concessions can no longer be made. Public opinion won't allow it, shouldn't allow it, and I think will not allow it. But it is time to force the Palestinian leadership to get off the drug of US money and figure out other ways to operate. I, I would personally go further. I would personally argue for the dissolution of the Palestinian Authority. But that's a step that will take a lot more work. Um, now, people will say, well, calling for an end to an exclusive US role and calling for a new basis for negotiations is something that is impossible. Yani these are impossible conditions. That's the whole point. There, they, there is no possibility of a proper negotiating process under these conditions except one that leads to a continuation of the status quo of occupation and colonization. It was meant to lead to this outcome. Oslo was designed to create permanent occupation and, and eternal colonization. It can only create those things. It cannot produce anything else. So saying we won't accept these conditions and putting what are in effect is entirely to the benefit of the Palestinian side. This was a process to maintain occupation. This process should be ended. The US role as a mediator should be ended. The entire structure that has created this monstrous outcome should be abandoned. Now, I think this is an opportunity. Uh, I think that, frankly, uh, if negotiations are possible, which I don't think they are, there should be a demand for an entirely new negotiating structure and an entirely new mediating power or set of powers. But I think we should begin to think about what the alternative to negotiations is. There are, there, are, there are no negotiations possible with this administration and this Israeli government, and they are not likely to be for a very long time. I think there are alternatives to a, a path of unending failed negotiations and to dependence on a hostile power like the United States, uh, without which Israel could not do what it does. I think that this position, this new stand taken by the United States on Jerusalem, requires us to think carefully about the entire course of the Palestinian national movement for the past 30 years or more. This is where history might come in 
in helping us to figure out what to do in the present and the future. I think it's likely that this decision by Trump will encourage the Netanyahu government to expand Jerusalem. They're probably going to expand it to include Ma'adi Adumim, Khan Ahmar. They're probably going to uh, do other things involving further annexation. This will make a Palestinian state even less possible than it was before. In addition to what is happening in the Aghwar, the annexation of about 30% of the West Bank, Israel's actions, which could not take place without American support, have in effect ruled out the possibility of a state. We have to begin to think about the commitment to national self-determination as the only possible objective for the Palestinian people. I think there's no reason not to demand a state. Why should it be a state along the lines of Mr. Jared Kushner's vision? Why should it be a state which doesn't include Jerusalem, is not contiguous, isn't sovereign? The conditions that have been reported for the Trump-Kushner uh, plan uh, are not a state. Uh, they're, they're, an insult. they're an insult. And so I think that while the Palestinians can continue to demand a state, it should not be a state along the lines of Jared Kushner. It should not even be a, a state along the lines of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. Why are the Palestinians supposed to accept a state in 20% of Palestine? It should be a state along the lines of the partition plan or better. If there's to be national self-determination, it should be along the, those lines. Palestinian national self-determination should take place at least in the larger part of Palestine. Much, much more than the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, more than 181, the partition frontiers. Or while demanding that, we should be, again, on purpose. It is intentional that you raise the bar. What we've done over the last several decades is to lower the bar. As the Israelis push, 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 we've gone down, down, down. We should be going up, up, up. These are, these are arguments that can be made to international public opinion. There's an international consensus for a Palestinian state. But you have to say to them, this is not a state. 22% is not a state. 45% is not just. If you want us to have a state, we have to have a proper state. And at the same time, as the Palestinians should be demanding a state, they should be thinking of other alternatives. In my view, at the same time, as it continues to demand a state in at least half of Palestine, for example, the Palestinian national movement should begin to develop a new strategy. This new strategy, and you can do the two things at the same time. It's perfectly possible. There's an international consensus on a state, on national self-determination, fine. We want a state, we want national self-determination. We do not accept that another people has more rights in our country than we do, a bigger state. Security conditions that limit or deny sovereignty. If we have a state, we want a real state. But at the same time as you say that, you say, but they are making a state impossible. Trump and Netanyahu in Jerusalem have made a state impossible. You can't have a state without Jerusalem. You can't have a state in the West Bank without the middle of the West Bank, which is Jerusalem and Ma'adi Adumim, down to Ariha. You can't have a state that's non-contiguous. You can't have a state that's not sovereign. It's a contradiction in terms. A non-sovereign state is not a state. And that's what Israel only the only thing that Israel might ever offer under present conditions. So you say, we want a state, they won't give us a state. Therefore, we demand equal rights. Equal rights for all in the one state that currently exists between the Mediterranean and the Jordan River. 
which of course would have to be completely transformed if there were equal rights, because there would have to be equal civil rights, equal political rights, and equal national rights within that state. It would not be a Zionist state, an Israeli state, a racist state, an apartheid state, a discriminatory state. It would be a state with a constitution that protected everybody in terms of their civil rights, their political rights, and their national rights. Everybody, not just Jews. Everybody. And there's absolutely no reason not to make that demand at the same time as one continues to say, if we can get national self-determination in our own country within a, a, a decent state with Jerusalem as its capital and natural resources and sovereignty and borders and at least half of the country, then we might, we'll consider that. We would go to the table, a table in which the Americans and the Israelis sit on one side and the Palestinians sit on the other side, and there's a proper mediator, whether United Nations, a collection of Russia, China, Britain, France, Germany, it doesn't matter. That's not important. But since that's not going to happen, we demand a, a situation in which everyone has equal rights. There's no way they can oppose that in international public opinion. That's an argument that can be made today in Europe, in the United States, at the United Nations, among the non-aligned countries. Equal rights? Who can oppose equal rights? And if they do, they expose themselves as racist, as discriminatory, as demanding supremacy of one people over another people. Now, the shift from a struggle that's mainly focused on national self-determination to a struggle that includes national self-determination but is focused on democratic rights is going to be a hard one. It'll be hard in particular because when we talk about 1947, we don't realize that what was created in 1947 with the partition resolution was an international consensus on the existence of a Jewish state. The world decided it wanted a Jewish state. It did not decide it wanted an Arab state. There was an Arab state in the partition plan. Arab state was destroyed immediately and nobody lifted a finger, meaning they didn't want an Arab state. The only thing the world wanted, i.e. the United States, the Soviet Union, and the great powers, with a small majority in the General Assembly, was a Jewish state. And since then, there has continued to be an international consensus that there should be a Jewish state. So shifting that is something that most people who talk about a one-state solution don't pay much attention to. But it is going to be a huge uh, operation to convince people they have made a two-state solution impossible. They have made a solution with a Jewish state and an Arab state impossible, and therefore there has to be another solution. But I think it can be done. I think that in the current circumstances, with this move, this action on Jerusalem, the United States and Israel have in effect refused, have, have declared that they are refusing to grant the Palestinians any national rights. How can you have national rights if your capital has been proclaimed this, the capital of the other side? And you've been denied rights within your own capital. Because when Trump says, I have accepted that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and then his spokespeople say, but of course the borders are yet to be determined. Israel has determined those borders. And the United States has accepted up till this point everything Israel has done and will do in terms of annexation, colonization, expansion of Jerusalem, and so on and so forth. So this is a proclamation by the United States government that it essentially accepts the exclusion of the Palestinians from their own city, 
as their own national capital. That means there's no two-state solution. And you should, one, one should go from that in these current circumstances, with the United States having, in effect, done that and, re and refusing to grant the Palestinians the most essential national right, which is sovereignty and a capital in their own central city, and make that shift, which I think can be more easily justified than ever before, to an argument that we'll take a state if we can get a proper state, but in the meantime, we demand equal rights. And if they won't give us this, we demand that. Uh, I think that we've now asked for Palestinian state for well over, well over 30 years, at least since the Declaration of Independence in 1988, and even before. Um, now, I think it's very clear that the United States and Israel have refused anything that any decent, sane, intelligent person would call a state. What they're offering, it would be an embarrassment even to call it a Bantustan. It's less than a Bantustan. Uh, we should therefore say we want a state on our own terms if possible, but since that is not possible, we demand fully equal rights within the one state reality that the United States and Israel have created since 1967, between the river and the sea. I think that the international environment is more favorable to this than at any time in the past. I think the environment inside the United States is more favorable to this than at any time in the past, since the 40s, since the 60s, since the 90s. The situation in the United States, the situation in Europe, the international situation is, in fact, much more favorable to us than at any time in the past. Our problem is the Arab environment. Our problem is governments that do not represent their people. Our problem is governments that do not listen to their people who support the Palestine cause. They're listening to something completely different. They're listening to siren song from Washington. They're listening to uh, uh, blandishments from Israel. They're not listening to their people. This is a problem. And to change this situation, first of all, requires a courageous Palestinian stand and requires a courageous stand on the part of people who support the Palestinians, which is to say the overwhelming majority of the Arab peoples. I mean, there's, a, there's an asset there which has to be further exploited. It's not enough to have demonstrations. We have to go over the heads of the governments to the peoples who really do support the Palestine cause and did and sacrificed for it again and again and again and again, willingly in the past. Um, to conclude, I think that the outrageous provocation by this administration and by the Israeli government is actually an opportunity in disguise. This is a cloud that has a silver lining. This is an opportunity we must take advantage of. It provides the Palestinians, the Palestinian people, the Arab peoples who support them, an opportunity to turn the page on the dark period that began with the Oslo Accords and that has continued until today. It is time to strike out on an entirely new path. It is time to look back at every single thing that's been done over these 30 or 40 years and say, this didn't work. This was a mistake. This has led us to our current situation. And these are some of the ways out. I don't presume to have the answers as far as all of the ways out. But the things that I've said are the minimum that should be done in the wake of what Trump has done. Trump has disqualified the United States. Many people have said this. This has to be turned into action. We will not talk to you about the peace process. You have nothing to do with it. You're on the other side. You are a party to the dispute with Israel. 
Ahlan wa sahlan. You are welcome to sit with the Israelis on their side of the table, which you've been doing anyway. But we need a new sponsorship, we need a new framework, we need a new basis, we need a new legal uh, structure if there's going to be a negotiation. And since there is not, because of Israel and the United States, we need an entirely new approach. And we should begin arguing that we are people just like them. We have national rights, but we also have human, civil, and political rights. And those rights have to be exercised in a structure that has existed for 50 years of occupation and 70 years since the, the Nakba. Um, I think that this is an opportunity. I think it's time to strike out on a new path. I think that new path is much needed. And I think that uh, this is something that we should all be forcing our leaderships, Palestinian and Arab, to face. Thank you very much.